In this episode, you will learn five new year tax to-dos. So we'll go into what you need to update with your payroll provider, one critical tax filing that comes in January. And then at the end, we'll go into four tax strategies for 2024 that you should consider. As always, if this episode helps you or brings you value, please do me a favor and share it with a friend. Thank you and enjoy the show. Welcome to Build Your Wealth Muscle, a podcast dedicated to helping fitness entrepreneurs build wealth by saving taxes and growing their money. Each episode will break down different strategies in the areas of business, tax, and retirement planning specifically for your coaching business. Disclaimer, the topics covered in this podcast are for educational purposes only. This is not advice for your specific situation. Please consult a qualified financial or tax professional before making any changes to your financial or tax situation. Now here's your host, certified financial planner and tax advisor, Pat Darby. Hey, happy new year, everybody. Welcome back to Build Your Wealth Muscle. We had a couple weeks break during the holidays, and that's also our busy season for year end. So apologize for missing a couple episodes. If you're new to joining, uh, there's two show formats that we do. The first one is what you're hearing today. It's a solo episode where we can go pretty deep on specific topics, whether that be financial, tax-related, cash flow planning in your business. And we can go deep enough to give you action steps. Then the other type, we'll bring in a guest and they could be a colleague of yours in like an online business owner or they have expertise in an area that is potentially outside of mine, whether that's a lawyer sales rep, marketing, things like or sales coach, marketing, things like that. And so try to bring you a full spectrum of, of ability to, to learn from this podcast. In a few weeks, we're going to try something new and exciting, bring to you guys. Hopefully, we'll work it out with the tech team, add some video to this. I don't know exactly how they do that, but we're setting things up so that we can do that for 2024. But... Today, we wanted to go into, as I'm recording this, it's your, or I say when you're hearing this, it's the first week of January. So as a quick recap for, for those who are new or those who haven't heard me say before, and I feel like I hit on it in most episodes, the difference between tax filing and tax planning. So the end of last year, last like 90, 60, 90 days, that's where you can really save on taxes. That's all the planning stage. You had until the end of the year to spend the money, move the money, make sure that the digital transaction exists for whatever strategy you're trying to implement. So now fast forward, we're in 2024, we're in the new year. God, maybe you're listening to this and it's the end of 2024. But as you're the beginning of a new year, technically we're in tax preparation season now. But I want to turn people's attention to what do you need to do in the beginning of the year some of the strategies that require either closing the door on 2023 or making sure you you start 2024 on the right foot. And then we'll end with some strategies that are tax strategies, but they're more difficult if you do them rushed. And obviously, we'll get into what those are, but I try to give people the most amount of time possible to implement some of the strategies that don't make sense to cram it in. Like they take some planning. And again, we'll, we'll go through all of that. So... Most of the ones that we're going to talk about in the beginning are, are quote unquote simple, but you want to start on the right foot. So here's the first one. If you are an S corporation and many people listening are, 
you may or may not know, like the way you get your tax deduction for your health insurance is by putting that amount. It can sound complicated because if you're a regular non S corp owner, you really don't have to do much other than let your accountant know what your health insurance premiums were. And if, as a self employed person, sorry, my chair was too low. As a self employed person, just letting them know what you spent and showing them the receipts or whatever. Obviously, most accountants don't make you show them the receipt, but just showing the receipt or sorry, just letting them know what the expense was is all you really need to do. That's not the case in S Corps. Again, you save a lot of money in S Corps, but there are some some, I guess, concessions or lack of a better term because you have to do the procedures. So now, if you're not already doing it, make sure that your health insurance is being paid by the business. And so also in an S-Corp, if you're not already doing professional bookkeeping, I do highly recommend it because everything that we'll talk about on this podcast for an S-Corp, recording it properly is is not necessarily the easiest thing to do. And since you're a business owner, it's not something that you probably want to spend the time learning how to do when you can have a professional do it for you. And quite frankly, when you're at the S-Corp level, you're probably making enough in your business that it's a justifiable delegation. But anyway, so for the medical benefit for January, make sure that you are adjusting what that benefit amount is. So if you're using something like Gusto, you have to go in there and let them know what your 2024 premium is. So inside of your benefit, which if you're if you're doing this for the first time, make sure you go into your payroll provider. Again, I'm, all the examples I give are Gusto because that's what I use and recommend. So you go in and if you're doing it for the very first time, you add the, the medical benefit and then you add the company contribution. Again, it's not your employee contribution. It's the company contribution and that's a specific important different differentiation. And so if the benefit's not already there, add it and then make the the uh, contribution amount, which is the monthly premium. If you already have the benefit, then you just need to go into the Gusto, go to your benefits and adjust it for yourself, the owner, to what your current premium is. What that al- what that allows from a tax deduction perspective is it puts that on your W-2. So just for simple purposes, if you're paying yourself $90,000 in salary and your medical is $10,000 a year, Gusto will let the IRS know, hey, there's a $10,000 premium for this owner and that will get reflected on your tax return and then your account will know what to do to grab that $10,000 and write it off. But you have to go through that procedure. So that's the first step. Update that. The second thing, very simple. You need to start off the year with your mile log. So if you're using something like MileIQ, it will give you a prompt to go in and give your odometer reading. Because one of the things the IRS is looking for, because mile logs can be very complicated. Um, like I'm pretty diligent with mine, at least I try to be. And still things are not quite what they come out to be. For example, like if I go for an Uber, I was going to say for a run, but I don't do that. But if I did, but like even going for walks when I was doing 75 hard, um, when you would go for a walk, depending on your speed, it could be recorded as a drive. Same thing with a bike ride or an Uber or in a friend's car, or spouse's car. You need to delete those out. And that's one of the things the IRS is looking for. If you've driven in 2023, 10,000 total mileage, they want to know what that breakdown is. But more importantly, they want to make sure you're not 
lying to them and saying that you drove 30,000 miles when you only drove 10. So putting the odometer into something like Mile IQ is critical because it, it's going to check January to January what your actual total drives were to make sure that the report is as close as possible. Another thing that I would recommend is get a third party to write this down for you. So if, God forbid, you're in an audit, you're, you're not just relying on your data. So if you haven't done so in December, January, end, of Jan, end of December, early January is a great time to bring your car in for like an oil change or something like that. Because then you have a third party recording your odometer so that if you are audited, again, you have more bullets in the chamber to defend your position. Next. This is almost this is a 2023 thing, but you have to close the door on 2023 properly. You have to file your 1099s. So, if you have vendors out there that you've been paying not through payment processors, so not through a credit card, not through a debit card, if you've been doing Zelle or cash or check <clears throat> or an ACH transfer, those require a 1099 if you've paid them more than $600 all year. So, if you paid them $500 three times, you still you paid them $1,500 because it's added up annually. So even though you might be like, oh, I never paid them $600. In that scenario, you've paid someone $1,500 three times, you owe them a 1099. Now, what you want to do is make sure you have a W-9 for them because that gives you the information you need to fill out the 1099. But also, depending on how they fill it out, you may be exempt from filing it. For example, if they are a corporation, like so if they're a C Corp, an S Corp, or an LLC taxes an S Corp, then you're exempt from having to give them a 1099. Or if they fill out that they're overseas, you don't need to give them... Again, you should have a what's called a W-8 on file. This is one of the big reasons. Like If you've got contractors for my clients, I try to put the contractors in gusto. Because if they're overseas, it requires them to receive payment, it requires them to fill out a W-8 so that if the IRS ever asks, how come you're not 1099ing this person? You paid them $12,000 last year and you can show them they're overseas. I don't owe them one. And then you're good. But you need to get those 1099s filled out. And that's above the scope of today's podcast to go into the details of that. But get your accountant, your bookkeeper, your tax advisor. If you need help with that, reach out to me. Because you do need to get those, and there's a lot of software out there that help you with this, but you need to make sure those are filed because one, there's penalties. And I forget, I believe it's like $50 a month for each one you forget to do. Might It might be higher now, it might be 60 because of uh, some of the penalties go up with inflation. On top of that, if you're audited, the IRS could disallow those legitimate expenses just because you didn't complete the transaction with the 1099. All right, now let's move into what tax payments are coming up. As we've talked about on many episodes, we do quarterly payments as uh, entrepreneurs. No one's withholding taxes from us. So we have to withhold the taxes and give them to the IRS and your state if your state collects, which I believe nine are non-tax states. So most people listening will have to pay state tax. So you'll owe these. So right now it's, I believe January 16th is the date. I should have double checked that as long as it's not a, it's, it's always the 15th, but let me just double it. Yeah, the 15th is a Monday, but I'm guessing that's a holiday because I believe I thought I saw that it's the 16th this year. As long as it's not a federal holiday, it's it falls on the 15th. But that's your Q4 payment. 
So I've talked about this before, but essentially we pay the IRS five times as business owners. Now, the fifth payment is basically in April. And that throws people off because the four times that you owe the IRS money is April, which is Q1. So, so for example, in 2024, on April 15th, in theory, you owe the IRS two payments. And that's because you owe them Q1 of the current year and you owe them the balance due from the prior year. So every April, essentially, you owe them two buckets of money. You owe them what you owe for 2024, and you're going to owe whatever is left over from 2023. So that's the fifth payment because there's two in April. But the reason I say there's five is because it gets people confused because you're like, oh, four quarterly payments, April, June, September, and January. But it's that fifth payment that can sometimes surprise people because that's when they sit down with their accountant and they say, oh, okay. You know, you've already paid into the system 20, but you still owe 15. And that's the fifth payment. And then on top of that, to say, okay, now for you owe your 2024 payment. So that's how you can kind of get behind if you don't have like a tax savings account somewhere where you're pooling this money throughout the year. Because when you're a W 2 employee, this is really done for you because it's withheld from your paycheck. So every single, like whether you make 100 or million dollars a year, if you're W 2, you have a federal and a state withholding. And assuming you have that pegged to the right information, it's going to be pretty close and there's not going to be a lot that you need to do. That's not the case for us entrepreneurs. So January 15th, you're going to owe Q4. Now, this is a great time to really do two things. One, figure out what you owe the IRS for that payment. Make sure that's paid on time. And two, calculate an estimate of what you owe for all of 2023. Because now you'll have about 90 days before you have to pay that balance. So again, I'll just keep using the same example. If, you, if you've been putting $5,000 every quarter, by Q4, you've paid the IRS 20 grand. Let me make it... I'm sorry. I'll make it 10,000 just to make the math simple. So you owe them... You've been pay, you paid in 40. You paid 10,000 every quarter. And then when you sit down again, I'm, I'm making the assumption that a lot of people are doing this with an accountant or a tax advisor. If you don't have one, reach out to me. We're running this calculation for all our clients and we're going to let them know what they should be paying. Because that number is going to fluctuate. Because we run that that number throughout the year. So obviously, if they have a really good Q4, all of our prior estimates could be wrong. Or if they have a really bad Q4, our prior estimates might have been too high. So anyway, check out what that number is for you. Because that gives you about 90 days to save it. So that all those profits that are going to hit between now and April from your business, you know what you should be putting aside. Because if, if right now you get the calculation, you say, all right, I, I'll send in my 10, but I had an awesome Q4. So I'm going to owe another 30. Now you have 90 days to put that 30 together. Because in April, you can file an extension. That's paperwork that gets extended, not the payment. So it's really important because I bring this up a lot. And I know a lot of my colleagues that have podcasts on taxes try to really hit this point home. When it's April and you're sitting down with your accountant or anyone listening who's an S-Corp, it's really March for you guys, well, for us. But it's March for the business and April for your personal. And you can hit extension on both, pushing you out to September and October. You know, Your business doesn't owe any money because you're an S-Corp or you're an LLC and it all passes down to you personally, but the paperwork needs to be filed. But where we're going with that is 
when you hit the extension button in April, that pushes you out to October. That lets you and your accountant file the paperwork late, but the payment is still due that day. So you do want to make sure that if you are planning to hit an extension, and I highly recommend it because going on extension lowers your audit risk, but you want to be able to make that payment or at least ballpark because you don't want to wait till October and then have that in that hypothetical example, you still owe them like 15, 20 grand. The penalties and interest started on April 15th. So even though you hit extension, you're going to owe penalties and interest to the IRS on the payment that was due six months prior in April. So this is a great time in January to get an idea where you sit and to proactively sit down with your accountant and don't wait till March or early April when they're slammed and all they're doing for their clients is basically hitting extension, extension, extension and doing no calculations for you because that, that happens like pretty commonly because people get very buried in all their last minute clients. So you want to figure out what that estimate is so you can mail that in with the extension button. Okay. So those are the, the things that you should start thinking about right now because most of them are pretty simple. The filing of the 1099s are not necessarily so simple depending on what you're doing, but that's also a great time to like evaluate how you're paying all your vendors and seeing which ones you can move to a credit card or a debit card or something where there is a payment processor between you and them that's handling this for you. Just makes your overall like another reason, you know, people don't like transaction fees, but this is just another expense that is covered for you because otherwise you're going to be paying an accountant or a bookkeeper or a tax advisor to do all this for you to keep you compliant. Okay, so now let's talk about the tax strategies for 2024 that need time. So I'm going to give you four of them. And I don't really, I don't have a good segue. I was going to say that here's four of them. <laughs> the first one is paying your kids. Now, if you're paying, going to pay your kids, the reason that you want as much time as possible is because they actually have to do the work. So now if they're, if they're, you can't sit down with someone on December 30th and say, Hey, I want to pay my kids. It was like, well, what do they do all year? I don't know. What should I have them do? It's like, well, it's too late. Like they have to have actually done the work. So for our clients, we give clients like a log where they can put what their child did as well as the hourly rate. And depending on the situation, we might ask to verify what they did, especially if they're doing something that is a higher value, sort of putting pegging that to market value. For example, if you are listening to this and you make money or revenue from social media and your child is part of that for whatever reason, like if they're participating in helping bring in revenue through your social media channel and you're paying them as a model, that can come with pretty high hourly rates. So that could potentially bring more scrutiny from the IRS. So you're going to want to document that. But just in general, that's that's something, again, you, you can't start making things up. You have all year to let your, your child help you in the business. And so if, you're, if they're younger children and they're doing something relatively... Let's say, for example, you have a five or six or seven-year-old cleaning your home office, dusting, vacuuming, uh, maybe throwing out the the paper, trash, things like that, you're probably not going to pay them a very high hourly rate, but you want all year long to let them accrue the hours so that you can pay them something reasonable because the whole point of the strategy obviously is to pay them as much as you can, but make it legit. 
So paying the kids is the first one. The second one, forming an S-Corp. If you qualify to save taxes by switching to an S-Corp, you want to do that sooner rather than later because the first step for you may be getting an LLC. You don't necessarily have to complete everything with the S-Corp, but if you did well last year and you did it without an LLC, you need an LLC to switch to an S-Corp. Now, you can go directly to an S-Corp and there's a bunch of reasons why I don't love that. But suffice it to say, you want to start that entity as soon as possible because then you can have a tax strategist retroactively start your S-Corp on the day the LLC was formed. I have full episodes on the S-Corp in general. Let me see if I can find the, the, the number. The last one I did was episode 72 discussing S-Corps versus partnerships. I also did a deep dive on S-Corps. I probably should do another one because it looks like episode 21. Now, that was almost two years ago. So I should probably do another deep dive. But those two will give you the details of the S-Corp if you want a full breakdown. The next one I want to get into is the Roth conversion. And I had this conversation a lot with clients towards the end of last year because they start to understand that their retirement accounts have a little more juice or power or flexibility, whatever term you're looking for, than they were told. Because if you're a real estate person, if you're a business person, you've been told most of your life by the big institutions that all you can do with your 401k, your Roth IRA, your Roth IRA, your traditional IRA, all you can do with it is buy stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, things like that. And they're not necessarily telling you about what self-directing is or they'll call self like they'll call it self-directing but really you are still stuck with their menu of products. So it's just like to use like a food analogy, you like I could say to you you could eat whatever you want. But if you walk into McDonald's, you can't eat whatever you want. You can't get tacos, you can't get, you know, a T-bone steak, things like that. So like you are stuck with the menu of where you are. But self-directing as a as an actual terminology means that your retirement account can do a lot of things. It could buy real estate. Now again, I'm not promoting what you buy in them. I'm just letting you know if you're outside of the major firms, there's more flexibility. I say that to say if you're going to do something that you feel has a high rate of return to it, you might want to consider doing that inside of a Roth IRA. Just use like a very exaggerated example. Like, again, I always go back to the Peter Thiel. I don't, I really need to learn how to say his last name because I, Peter Thiel, Thiel uh, I believe he was one of the original founders of PayPal and then ended up uh, being the original investor in Facebook. But he did that half a million dollar investment through his Roth IRA. So in that scenario, turning 500 grand into 5 billion or whatever it's at value now, he paid the taxes on the way in versus on the way out. So if you're considering doing something like that, obviously everyone would love to hit a, a grand slam like that. But let's say you're looking to do real estate or, or something with your account. You'll hear people say, oh, we'll convert it first. Now, a lot of times people do conversions at the end of the year because there's a lot of advantages to doing that. One of those advantages is that you know exactly how much money, not I shouldn't say exactly, but you have a pretty precise estimation on how much income and therefore taxation you have. So for all my clients, we were running Roth that have 
IRAs and 401ks and things like that. We're running Roth conversion analysis based on their year-to-date income. And again, you can run that in November, December and have a pretty good idea. Now, conversely, in January, you have no clue. Like your business could quadruple this year, but you, I mean, that would be amazing and that'd be fantastic. But when you're talking about Roth conversions, you would have no clue what that is going to do from a tax perspective. So that's the the part that's a downside because you're totally swinging in the dark. Now, obviously, if you're consi- if you're depending on the maturity of your business or if you're W two or whatever the case may be, maybe there is some prediction that you can do. But regardless, the reason I'm bringing this up is when we do these Roth conversions in December, you have again the advantage is you have a pretty good idea of what that tax liability is. The disadvantage is you have four months to put that money together for that tax liability you just generated. Conversely, in January, we're flying blind. We don't know if your business is going to make a hundred grand or two million. Now, again, depending on your business maturity, maybe you do have a pretty good idea. Good idea, but you get the point. You're still flying blind that you have twelve months of unknown revenue and expenses. But conversely, the t- if you did a Roth conversion in January or in the beginning part of the year, the taxes aren't due until April 2025. So although you're flying blind, if you know you're doing this strategy or you're in a situation where you're like, okay, I know I want to get all these million-dollar IRAs into million-dollar Roth IRAs, and I'm going to do hundred grand a year. Well, I'm just using hypothetical. So then that hundred you do sooner rather than later, you now have 16 months to estimate that tax liability. And obviously, you could estimate high and assume you're in the max brackets and things like that. But you have 16 months to put the tax liability together versus if you did it in December, you have way more precision, but shorter window to put the money together if your cash is a little bit tighter. The last rule or sorry, strategy that I'd recommend you consider right away. And again, I'm not saying you have to implement it, but consider right away is the Augusta rule. Because if you are if you are planning to take advantage of this, basically get 14 days rent free that your home or your vacation property can incur or uh, take advantage of. Depending on your situation, like I have some clients I recommend, why don't you do a monthly strategic meeting in your living room? Now, obviously, you can't put that together at the end of the year because it wouldn't make sense to have a 14 day. I mean, well, some people could, but. For a lot of people, they're they're considering doing this either monthly or quarterly to hit the numbers. So you want to start those sooner rather than later. Now, as a side note on the Augusta rule, you can't rent to do it. So if you don't own your property, then that rule wouldn't apply to you. That's everything I wanted to cover today. That's the kickoff of the year. Those are all the simple things to either implement or start to consider. This is now tax planning. Sorry, this is now tax preparation season. So sit down probably in the next two weeks or so. Most bookkeepers will have your 2023 closed out. So you'll be able to sit down and figure out what your tax liability is. Now, as I talked about before, your books might not be closed yet when you still owe your uh, Q1 payment or sorry, your Q4 payment in January. So make sure you're, you're talking to your tax professionals. If you don't have a tax professional and you've been flying blind the last couple of years, reach out to me. And this is what we do. We can be a turnkey solution for you with bookkeeping, tax filing, tax strategy, which is our advisory program. Or if you have one of those components, maybe you have a bookkeeper. Starting in 2023, we are making it 
a rule that to join any of our programs, you do have to have professional bookkeeping. It doesn't have to be our professional bookkeeping, but we really need that foundation that we can trust the numbers that we're basing all of our recommendations on. But if you need that as part of the the components for you, we can help. You know, we we can take all the guesswork out of all the tax strategies that you're curious about. I think that our rates are pretty affordable because it gives you 24, I say 24 seven access to our team. Obviously, we don't always get back to you at night or the weekends. But if you have a lot of questions, this is, in my opinion, one of the greatest programs because you essentially have an accounting tax team all year round to help vet out all the stuff you see on TikTok and all the strategies that have truth to them. But often, often there's devil in the details. All right, guys. Have an awesome rest of your week and an awesome 2024. And again, Happy New Year. Thank you for joining us this week on Build Your Wealth Muscle. The links mentioned in this episode are available in the show notes. For video clips and more information on tax and retirement strategies for fitness entrepreneurs, please follow my Instagram at the Pat Darby. If you found value in this episode, please do us a favor and share with a friend. If you tag me, that'd be appreciated also. Lastly, for help implementing any of the topics discussed, please book a call. The link is also in the show notes. Thank you again for listening and have a great day.